Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. We're glad you're here, and thank you guys for sharing. They'll be sharing a little bit more with us today. We got some regulars in this group, and then some some guests with us as well. So, guys, we're glad that you're all here, and we're excited. Today is Men's Sunday here at Boiling Springs, and uh, you're in for a treat. We've got some special uh, music and prayers and and readings. We're glad to have this guy back with us, Jim Richardson, uh, Jim and Carol, and. Um, I tell you, I owe Jim a lot. Jim, I still need to, he's, he's taking me out a time or two. I need to take you out a time or two. You've, uh, you, you have helped pave the way uh, for my time here at Boiling Springs, and I am grateful for that. But uh, we are glad that you're here today. If you're here today for the first time, we have a section in the bulletin that you can fill out some information about yourself and tear that out. You can do one of two things. You can place it in the offering plate, or you can take it by the uh, welcome table out in the lobby, and we have a gift for you after the service today. But we're glad that you're here. We hope that you'll do that for us. I want to mention just a few announcements. First of all, the flowers are placed in the sanctuary this morning in memory of the April 9th birthday of Miriam Glenn by Charles and Jane Stroud and family. Also, this evening at 5 o'clock, we'll be doing our second, having our second Sunday with Dr. Joe Webb in our studies of Paul. So please be mindful of that. Tomorrow at 1130, I'd like to invite you to a very special luncheon that we will have here at the church. This will feature one of our students who has been uh, coming and spending some time in our history room here at the church and working with Betsy Beeson and some others. And she will be presenting her senior project uh, this year on uh, some history of Boiling Springs Baptist Church as well as the Garden Web University and our community. So if you are interested in learning a little bit more about our community and seeing what this young student has uh, for us on uh, tomorrow for lunch, I would encourage you to come and be with us for that time. It's at 11.30. Also, you'll see the, on the insert in your bulletin this morning uh, a couple different announcements. First of all, Barbara Lale wanted me to mention that the GAs are hosting a baby shower for the Pregnancy Resource Center in Cleveland County, and uh, there will be cribs in each lobby on each side of the church up through Wednesday and then during the day Wednesday at some point those cribs will be moved to the GA room and so they would love for you to bring some items to place in those cribs for the uh, Pregnancy Resource Center in Cleveland County. There'll also be a senior adult rally here this Thursday with our own Catherine Hamrick as the speaker and the author of The Farmer's Wife she'll be sharing and so be here for that time. That's an associational wide senior event. They already have about 175 seniors coming from what I have heard uh, from the association this week. And Wesley could probably give us a better update on that. Um, we're glad you're here today, Wesley. Um, did you see his, he, he was shining over here. Did you see him? He was, um, also, let me mention a couple things quickly. Uh, the Fish group, or really anybody in the church, Fish is kind of a 20, 30, 40-something group in the church, but really anybody that would like to go to the Virginia Creeper Trail on April 30th, please let Jason Hamrick or Kenny Collins know about this. We'd love for you to go. I am hoping to get to go on this trip, but it's a, a few hours up there, and then a, how, many, how long is it, Jason? About 15-mile bike ride of just a little bit of pedaling, but a lot of coasting uh, and, and some beautiful mountain scenery. And so if you would like to go and be a part of that day, please let us know as we are trying to make plans for that. And the last thing I wanted to mention today is uh, some of you may not know, but we do have a church basketball team. I have played a few games on that this year. I can't play every time, but our record is 5-3. and three. And the games this week are listed. They're both, they're all at the Dover Y. And if you would like some entertainment, uh, I say that loosely, if, if you would like some entertainment, you come out. But we've, we've only had a few fans, but we've had our number one fan would like some more fans there. And that's Brett Washburn. He's been our number one fan. 
and um, uh, he's been our coach and, and uh, been right there with us all through this. So uh, we would love for you to come and join us and, and, and cheer us on, and I think our record can, grow, can go up if our fans go up. So I uh, just want uh, you to be mindful of that. But again, we're glad that you're here today. Let's stand and sing uh, this morning, Rise Up, O Men of God. Yes, and even though it's rise up, O men of God, we'll have everyone stand as we sing together. How is everyone this morning? Good. Well, boys and girls, I have a secret for you guys this morning. I am not Ellen, but this morning on Baptist Men's Sunday, uh, I'm excited to, to be able to give this children's sermon, to be able to spend time with you guys this morning. Uh, if you don't know, my name is Alan, not Ellen, it's close, but my name is Alan. I'm the youth minister. Um, I will be doing this this weekend, and I'll also be doing this next Sunday for Ellen, doing the, the lesson on the step for you guys. So I'm excited to be doing that. Uh, but this morning on Baptist Men's Sunday, uh, we're going to be talking about a story uh, dealing with Jesus. He's talking to his disciples, and I'm going to read that story for you first this morning. It comes from Matthew chapter 19. It's verses 23 through 26. Then Jesus said to his disciples, What I'm about to tell you is true. It is hard for rich people to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is hard for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, but it is even harder for the rich to enter God's kingdom. When the disciples heard this, they were really amazed. They asked, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, that is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. I have something here on my shirt. Who knows what this is? It's a pin or a needle. Yeah, very good. There is a very, very small hole right here in this needle. Do you know what that's called? What that small hole is called? It's called the eye of the needle. 
All right, so this is the eye. I have some thread here in my pocket, if I can get it out. Can I have one volunteer raise your hand and come up here? Come on up here. What's your name? Say it again. Okay. All right. I want you to take this piece of thread, and I want you to try to put this into the thread through the little eye of this needle. Can you do that? Grab the end right there. There you go. Try that. It's tough, isn't it? It's a pretty small hole, and it's pretty hard to get that thread through it. And to be completely honest with you, I don't think I could do it. There you go. You had it. Good job. Anybody else want to come up and try to do it? No? Okay. You want to try it? Here, take this piece of thread. Here, take the thread. Don't take the needle. Can you get that thread right there? There you go. There we go. Try to stick it through that hole right there. Can you do that? I'm going to hold the needle. You try to stick that thread in there. Can you do that? There you go. That's pretty hard, isn't it? That's pretty hard, yeah. You did good. Very good. Very good. So the point here is, yeah, thank you. <laughs> the point here is that thread is pretty hard to get through this little eye of this needle. Now who can tell me, I have a picture here of an animal. What animal is this right here? A camel. Very good. And these are, these are two men standing right here next to this camel. And as you can tell, this camel's pretty big. It's a lot bigger than those men are. So you think about how big a camel is. It's a, it, it is definitely a lot bigger than we are. And it is definitely a lot bigger than the little eye of this needle. But as Jesus says in the story, I have something here that I'm going to get out. Oh, unless I lost it. I think I did. Oh, there it is. This right here, I've got this little tool. And if you take the thread, what you can do is that you can take the little needle and you can stick it through right there. Hold on. There you go. This is hard to do as well. But there. You see, I stuck that little piece through the eye of the needle. And then you take the thread and you have the bigger hole there. And then you loop it through, and then you take this blue part, and you push it through, and boom. You threaded the needle. It's pretty easy, right? So what this shows us is that the eye of this needle is very small, and it was very hard to get that thread through the needle. And as small as that thread is, can you imagine? It even sounds silly to try to get this big camel through that little eye of the needle. Can you imagine how hard that would be? It almost seems impossible. But what Jesus says in this story is that with God, all things are possible. Just like this tool makes it a lot easier for that little thread to get through the eye of that needle. And so in your lives, when things get hard or when school gets difficult or when people tell you you can't do things, you have to remember, as Jesus said, that with God, all things are possible. Let's close in prayer this morning. Let's pray. God, we thank you for these beautiful, smiling faces that are here this morning. We thank you for this church and for the opportunity to worship you. 
God, I pray that you would be with Ellen as she leads in children's worship this morning. God, I pray that you would be with all of those who lead in worship this morning, that we would trust you, that we would love you, and that we would recognize that if we put our trust in you, that all things are possible. God, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm satisfied with just a cottage below, a little silver and a little gold. But in that city where the ransom will shine, I want a gold one, that silver line. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. In that bright land where we'll never grow old And someday yonder we will never more wander But walk the streets that are pure as gold Oh, often tempted, tormented and tested And like the prophet my pillow of stone, and though I find here the permanent dwelling, I know he'll give me a mansion my own. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop in that bright land where we'll never grow old, and someday you'll. streets that are pure as gold. Don't make me poor, Lord, deserted or lonely. I'm not discouraged. I'm heaven bound. I'm just a pilgrim in search of a city. I want a mansion a crown. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop in that bright land where we'll never grow old. And someday yonder we'll never more wander, but walk the streets that are pure as Soul. Needing a friend 
think he's here today but uh this next song if i'm not mistaken bob blackburn asked us to do did he not so uh, we'll make sure he gets to hear it is he here hey look at him he's over there hey it's for you bob and trials in my little lifespan when I'm standing alone and the battle gets hot I always do the best that I can I must have crossed a million valleys and I've shed a million tears when I come to the river of Jordan hallelujah then I'll have no fear one more river to cross 
gotta go through I'm leaving my troubles behind One more battle with the devil Then I know he'll understand I'm going through with Jesus, hallelujah Holding to his nail-scarred hand Holding to his nail-scarred hand Been a lot of people talking about me Since I walked this narrow way This is just another little valley I came through it when I prayed I've climbed a lot of high mountains and I've crossed a lot of little streams. When I see old Jordan cold and dark, that'll be the last for me. One more river to cross, one more mountain to climb, one more valley that I gotta go through. I'm leaving my troubles behind. One more battle with the devil, then I know he'll understand. I'm going through with Jesus, hallelujah, holding to his nail-scarred hand, holding to his nail-scarred hand. One more river to cross, one more mountain to climb, one more valley that I gotta go through, I'm leaving my troubles behind. One more battle with the devil, then I know he'll understand. I'm going through with Jesus, hallelujah, holding to his nail-scarred hand, holding to his nail-scarred hand. In my prayer life, There is a verse of scripture in the 14th chapter of the book of John that means a great deal to me. And that verse says, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. That verse means so much to me. You know, we were talking in Sunday school this morning. My Bible, my Bible is filled with promises from God. Just like that promise there. The sad part about those promises is we as God's people, we don't claim them. We just don't. But they're there for a reason. They're there for us to claim. And as we go to God in prayer this morning, I trust, I trust with all of my heart that we're going to believe that God's going to honor our request, that he's going to hear our prayers. And so with that attitude in mind, let's go to God in prayer. Father, it's with grateful hearts that we buy in your presence this morning to give you thanks for the privilege it's ours to come and to meet together. To assemble as God's people. To be able to worship as we see fit. Lord, help us to never, never take this privilege for granted. But help us to be faithful to it, Father. And help us to be at God's house at the appointed time. I'm grateful to you, Father, this morning that 
we live in a land, Father, that we're able to worship as we see fit. Father, so many people don't have that privilege this morning. A lot of folks will be persecuted because of the name of Jesus. They'll suffer chaos and they'll suffer turmoil in their life because they love that name, Jesus. How grateful I am, Father, that I can stand and call on that name and know and trust and believe in my heart that you're going to hear and that you're going to answer our prayers. This morning, Father, I pray for everyone who has a part in the remainder of this service. I pray that everything that's said and done would be done to lift up and to honor, to glorify, to magnify the name of the Lord Jesus. And then, Father, I pray that as we depart from here today that it would be in a spirit of service that regardless of where we are or what we're doing, that our life would represent a true and a living Christ. For the times that we have failed, Father, I pray that you would forgive us and ask that you would lead us always in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. For we make this prayer in the name of Jesus and for his sake. Amen. When grief like a rolling fog o'erwhelms the heart, when one you've loved is gone, call to mind that for the child of God it's just the start, the loved one Here's a brand new song. Just think of stepping on shore and finding it heaven, of touching a hand and finding it God's, of breathing new air. And finding it celestial Of waking up in glory And finding it home When we as we must face the end of life when age or pain takes its toll we will gladly leave behind this old world of strife and move to the land of the soul. Just think of stepping on shore 
and finding it heaven of touching a hand and finding it God's of breathing new air and finding it celestial of waking up in glory and finding it home just think of stepping on shore and finding it's heaven of touching a hand and finding it's God's of breathing new air and finding it celestial of waking up in glory and finding its My brothers and sisters, who I deeply love and whose presence always fills me with joy, thank you all for coming. Let us bow our heads to our Father in heaven. Dear Lord, we come to you, Lord God Almighty, to say thank you for this beautiful day. And we lift our hearts to you, Lord God Almighty, and we offer to you, Lord, our prayers, our struggles, our joyful times. And we pray, Lord God, that you bless this offering, Lord, and you bless this, continue to bless this community of faith, Lord. In your name, Lord, we do praise. Amen.
tried to hold up and be brave, but I could not hide my sorrow when they lay her in the grave. Feel circle, be unbroken, but by old by and by, if better home awaking in the sky. going to be reading from uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 19, verses 23 through 26. Uh, it's the same thing that Alan read a while ago, but uh, we'll just do it again. Um, then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible.
Well, hello, everybody. <laughs> it's great to be back with you. <clears throat> Y'all are looking great. Everybody seems to be in fine spirits. Great to see familiar faces and uh, just see that the church is doing well. Love each one of you and Keith and all the staff and um, just appreciate the opportunity to be back with you. <clears throat> As usual, I guess what I'm going to be sharing with you is going to be um, a challenge. And a lot of the gospel, that's what it is. The gospel is not uh, just continue what you're doing, you're doing well, you know, the status quo is fine, you know, just coast on long. No, there, there's a challenge here for all of us. And um, it's interesting that we had the same scripture today, the children's sermon and my scripture out of Matthew. Um, see, the belief in that day, in the day of Jesus, that riches was a sign of God's favor. Also, good health. If you had good health, you didn't have leprosy or some dread disease, then God was smiling upon you. So wealth and good health, that was a sense that God was pleased with your life. That's how... The disciples saw things. Riches is a blessing. Poverty is a curse. Sickness and misfortune. Then uh, things were not well with you. And knowing Jesus the way he knew human nature, he saw that great wealth would be an obstacle to faith. It's not that he did not reach out to wealthy people. He did. Think of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector of Jericho. Well, he was a well-to-do man. He had wealth. Jesus stayed up with him much tonight, trying to help him. How about Nicodemus? Nicodemus was a member of the Sanhedrin, a very select group. Certainly he was well off and well to do. And he tried to reach him. Joseph of Arimathea was another member of the Sanhedrin. And he was a friend of Jesus. But Jesus knew that the threat of great riches and wealth would turn a person towards self-centeredness and selfishness. I've made this wealth, it's mine, I can live as I please. How easy it is for a man to forget God when he's surrounded by all these things. I've made this wealth, I can live the way I want to. Jesus compared it to an impossibility. Just like the children's sermon it's hard enough to thread a needle through the eye. Try a camel. <laughs> I would say that was impossible. Easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Often wondered about that scripture. That's so obvious. But then I read there was a deeper meaning to it. The eye of a needle was not the eye of a little needle you sew with, but it was a gate in Jerusalem, a small gate. It was called the eye of the needle because it was small compared to most big gates in Jerusalem. A man could walk through it standing upright, but that was about all. It was a very small gate, the eye of the needle. Now, maybe a camel could get through there. If you got him on his knees and you stuffed him through there, maybe you could get him through. <laughs> but it would take a great amount of effort to get a camel through that gate, the eye of the needle. 
When the disciples heard this, they said, Who then can be saved? And Jesus said, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. There's nothing beyond his ability to do. Nothing that people filled with God's Spirit can accomplish. I believe that, my friends. I believe that with all my heart in every church that I've ever had the privilege to be a part of. Nothing's impossible with God. If I stepped into the pulpit thinking, well, there's a lot impossible with God, and, but here I am, the preacher of this church, but boy, bless the poor church. <laughs> Preacher's got to have that faith, does he not? Nothing's impossible with God for people. Nothing impossible for a church. Any church, this church, any church, nothing's impossible. Many things man alone cannot do. He cannot save himself from the natural fear. You know, we had this long list of phobias. They said at one time they looked at the list of phobias, different things people are unordinately afraid of. You know, claustrophobia, fear of closed places. Some people have fear of heights. Some people have fear of the darkness. Some people have fears, all kinds of things, these phobias. And no matter how much you try to convince someone, you're not afraid of that closed space. That doesn't matter. They cannot help themselves. I knew a fellow back at Popper Springs, he was afraid to get into an elevator. It just, just feared him, filled him with fear. I could walk into an elevator, not pro- but it was, a, it was a problem to him. My, my wife has a fear of snakes. Now, we all have fear of snakes, but if my wife saw a little garter snake, you know, it was obvious a little green garter snake, she would check out. <laughs> Isn't that right, Carol? And, and no amount of, that's just a garter snake, Carol. That doesn't matter. It's a snake. A snake is a snake is a snake. <laughs> we can, man cannot save himself from natural fear, from phobias. Man cannot save himself from sin as much as a person says, well, I'm, just, I'm really close to the Lord and I'm not going to sin anymore. Well, good luck with that. Man cannot save himself from death. We'd rather not do it, but it's going to happen. That's the one way you get to heaven. We're all going to die. Man in his cleverness can build a physical church. He can take brick and mortar and a steeple and all that. He can build a church, but only God can build a house of God. I read an interesting book a number of years ago. I don't know. Where's Keith? Where is Keith? Where is he? There you are back there. I don't know if this guy's still writing or not, but George Barna, I I got into where I was trying to study churches and how they grow and what it takes, and I read about George Barna that he takes surveys and tries to understand what it takes to build a church and what it takes for a church not to grow. George Barna, uh, I read a number of his books, and one of the most interesting, my friends, I read was a book called Turnaround Churches. Turnaround Churches. These were churches that had either plateaued and would kind of just stay in the same. The area might be growing, but they were just kind of, you know, staying the same. Or even churches that were slowly not going the right direction. He took this, this book, the subject of it was, what makes that happen? What makes churches turn around? and start the right direction? What makes churches stay the same? What makes churches go the wrong way? He wrote this book about that subject. 
about churches that had gone through difficulties of one kind or another, whatever the reason, and somehow in a period of five years, ten years, grew to new life and vitality. They recaptured their vision. What did Barna find out about these churches that turned around? Now, deacons, you may want to jot something. This isn't me. This is George Barna. This guy knows this stuff. You may want to jot this down, in, at least in your mind. What a, one prerequisite of a turnaround church <clears throat> was first, they were more committed to Jesus Christ than procedures and programs and methods. <clears throat> I know some churches, my friends, they seem to worship their procedures and programs and methods more than Jesus. <laughs> <clears throat> their view is we shall not be moved <laughs> and they keep doing the same thing even though it may not be working i remember what one preacher said one time he went to a church <clears throat> and they were doing some program or something that hadn't worked in a long time but they kept doing it and he said my friends if the horse is dead for god's sake dismount <laughs> <laughs> Get off of it. It's not working. <laughs> Folks, we're more committed to Christ. There may be programs that don't work. There may be things and approaches that we need to adopt. There may be methods that we need to take on board. But whatever it is, we're more committed to Jesus. What can we do to be more faithful to Christ? We're more committed to Christ than procedures, programs, and methods. Secondly, there's a true dependence on prayer. Turnaround churches really started praying. Started praying for their pastor. Started praying for their members. Started praying for a vision. Started praying for more boldness. Started praying for more commitment. They just prayed. They prayed in the Sunday school classes. They had prayer groups. They prayed before the service. They prayed after the service. They just prayed. They were committed to prayer. Being, never forget, my friends, being the church is a spiritual thing. God is the one who is in it, and he will make the difference. It's the key to moving forward. That this is a spiritual endeavor, and we believe that God is God, and when we pray, he'll answer it, and we have to call out on him. The third thing about our turnaround churches, they believe in the presence of the Holy Spirit. They believed in the power of God's Spirit to change hearts and lives and even communities. Second Chronicles 7, 14, if my people who are called by my name shall pray and humble and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. Got to have that kind of spirit, my friends, that kind of spirit in the church. It's something of the heart. It's not something of programs and methods. It's something of faith and trust and passion and burden, something of vision and hope and belief. That's what it's about. Churches that are turnaround churches are willing to try new things, willing to take risks. If you never risk anything, you never gain anything. If you risk something that doesn't work, say, well, that didn't work. Let's try something else. Try new things. New things. I learned a great lesson a number of years ago when I did a mission trip at Poplar Springs every year. We would get an adult group together. We would go to different churches in the southeast. And uh, 
One part of the group <clears throat> did uh, backyard Bible clubs, children. Uh, that's what I did because I couldn't hammer a nail and hit it. You know, I, you know, I, I, I would after the, we got through with the children in the morning, I'd go and they'd say, Jim, uh, carry that log over there. Jim, uh, get that wood over. Dig a hole over there, Jim, and then fill it up, and then dig another one and fill it up again. <laughs> yeah, that's what they did. <clears throat> but I learned a great lesson. We went to a place called Cartersville, Georgia. This was up in north of Atlanta, going toward Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we went to the church. I was not impressed. We got out in the country and we drove for a few miles. I said, does anybody live out here? You know, all I saw was land. We finally got to the church. It looked like it was set in a, what used to be a cotton field. There just weren't many people around. The building was not in great shape. Probably they didn't have enough money to kind of keep it up. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't, uh, you know, in pristine shape. Uh, it was a small church. The building wasn't very large. They didn't have a choir. Didn't seem to be many people in the community, but when the church gathered, it was amazing. Pastor was full of vim and vigor, and he wasn't the only one. So was the congregation. Found out that six families had joined the church in the last seven weeks. They were full of excitement. They were full of welcome. They were full of faith. They were full of fire. Folks, this is something of the heart. I know some churches that care so much about buildings and grounds and money, but they haven't got the heart. It's something of the heart, the attitude, something of the vision that we want to reach people for Christ. Well, churches that turn around are committed to Christ more than procedures and programs and methods. They have a true dependence on prayer. They have an understanding of the Holy Spirit and openness to the power of the Spirit, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. They're willing to try new things. On the other hand, what did Barna find out about declining churches? Number one, they focus inwardly rather than outwardly. Everything is focused on themselves. Now, folks, you've got to do some of that. You've got to visit your shut-ins. You've got to keep up with your new members. You've got to minister to your folks. If you don't do that, you've got big problems coming. You've got to cover that. But let me tell you, that's not the only base. You have to have some kind of vision for this community, for the people, the families, the hurting families, the lonely families, the folks that are unconnected, the folks that used to be connected and aren't connected anymore. There has to be some kind of effort and focus that direction. Declining churches focus inwardly rather than outwardly. How am I getting along? Am I happy? Are things being done right for me? And just taking care of the inner mechanics Declining churches, that becomes their total focus, and then they begin to decline. Another thing Barna said was, ministry rarely reaches beyond the people who are faithful attenders within the church already. 
They focus on their own needs and their own desires. In declining churches, thirdly, you will find a lack of passion for ministry. Ministry becomes a job or a series of routine activities performed at the prescribed time by the usual cast of characters. <laughs> Sometimes you go to some churches and the bulletin looks the same it did 20 years ago and the same people are doing the same thing. If you have that, my friends, I'll tell you, you'll have a church that's struggling. Ministry is replaced by comfort and security and habit and routine. The absence of strategic thinking about ministry. How do we minister? Let's brainstorm together. Let's work together. How can we reach people? How can we minister more effectively? Yes, within the church, but also outside the church. Always thinking, planning, praying, wondering, what can we do to be more effective? Now, my friends, this is a mature, established church. And I tell you, it's got a lot of wonderful qualities. I was here long enough to experience it. I was long enough here to enjoy it. But it can happen to any church over the years. Over the years, policies and procedures and traditions and maintenance begin to perceive the true mission of the church. And that mission is seen in the Great Commission. And that's what we call it. That's what Jesus said. His last words there in Matthew. Go ye therefore. Go. Don't just meet. Go. It has to be outside. So the church that is healthy and growing is the church that has a heart for the community and not just say, we love our community, find specific ways to be a presence. Find specific ways to be out there, to be seen, encouraging, helping, visiting, working, whatever. So we can see, be seen in this community as a church with an open door. This is the heart of the church. There are other things to keep in mind. How does the church turn around? Number one, this is important, folks. Listen to what I say here. Release the past. It doesn't matter what happened a week ago. It doesn't matter what happened a month ago. It doesn't matter what happened a year ago. There's so many people in churches across our country that are rehashing the past. They're looking in the rearview mirror of life and they can't see where they're going and they drive in the ditch. They're trying to redo the past. It doesn't matter. You've got to release it, whatever it is, and look forward. Another attribute of churches that turn around is they define specifically the types of outreach they will do. Specific. The preacher could say, y'all go out and y'all invite people to church, and a lot of times, yeah, okay, we'll do it, but it doesn't happen. we got to have a specific plan and goal and method by which we get outside these walls and we're face-to-face -face with people, and we're encouraging them and they're inviting them and they're seeing that we are nice people and we're good people and we have to have a plan to do that. How does the church turn around? And I'm not telling Keith anything he doesn't know and I'm not telling anything I don't know. The preacher's got to work hard. You can't have a growing church and I'll show up 15 hours a week, 20 hours a week. That's not going to happen. <laughs> takes a lot of work. takes a lot of commitment takes a lot of just hours and elbow grease and planning and praying and working with people 
the preacher has to work hard. Number four, pray for the ministry. Pray for the ministry. Pray for the pastor. Pray for the deacons. Pray for yourself. Pray for the church. Pray for the community. Prayer. Continue to pray. How else does the church turn around? The church has to have a core group that is committed to the church. Now, folks, you got that. You got a group of people here. If the preacher came up here and stood in his head and whistled Dixie, they'd be out there. You've got a committed core. You want to grow that a little bit, but that commitment that you will stay here, you will work here, you will love here, you will die here, but you're not going anywhere. <laughs> That's what a church needs. As I said before, what turns around a church? A church willing to take risks. There's an old saying, my friends, if you always do what you always did, you'll always get what you always got. <laughs> Try something new. Try. If it doesn't work out, it's not the end of the world. Step back, learn whatever lessons you need to learn, and do it again. Do something else. How does the church turn around? The emphasis is on people and meeting their needs, not programs and procedures. You start meeting people's needs in this community through reaching out to them in various ways. You can decide how you want to do that. Pews won't hold the people that want to be a part. The emphasis is not on programs and procedures. It's on people. Now, there's responsibilities in a turnaround church for the preacher. Then there are responsibilities for the congregation. Let me tell you what the responsibilities of the preacher are. The preacher must model true Christianity. You must see, and I don't think you got a problem with that. I'll, you, you need to see and keep, here's what a real Christian is. He's not perfect, but this is what a committed Christian life is like. He's a model of that. You can look up to him and say, that is a spirit-led person. That is a person that is serious about their faith. He must model true Christianity. What other responsibility is for the pastor? That the pastor must have a strategic plan for the church's growth. How are we going to grow? Not only grow numerically, grow financially, grow spirit-wise, grow in vision, grow in faith. There are a lot of ways to grow. But have a plan. How are we going to make that happen? It's good to pray for it. It's good to wish for it. But I've got to have a plan. And the people got to buy into it. The people got to say yes. But the, it comes from the pastor. Have to have a strategic plan for the church's growth. Thirdly, responsibility for the pastor, the people must feel love and be loved by the pastor. You know what most churches are crying for? They're not crying for a super-duper fella in the, in the pulpit that can knock down the walls with a sermon. They're looking for a shepherd. Somebody that loves them. <laughs> I remember my first church, I was a youth director. I was 23 years old back out in Salisbury. The preacher... You know, of course, he was probably 50. I probably looked to me to be 85 or 90, you know, but you know how you are, you're young. But uh, bless his dear heart, he could not preach. He just, it wasn't there. <laughs> you know, it, it was hard to follow him. Sometimes he was too loud. Sometimes he was too soft. You know, they would fight for him. They loved him. Why? Because he loved them. He loved them, and they knew it. 
they loved him. There's no substitute for the preacher just loving the people. The people must feel love and be loved by the pastor. As I said, the pastor must be willing to work hard. I, I mentioned that. But there are responsibilities for you folks, congregation. You want to be a part of a turnaround church? What would it mean for you if the, the attendance and, and, and everything picked up here by two times in five years? How would that make you feel? You, you think that's just going to happen? No. You have responsibilities. Number one, be open to change and growth. Be open to it. Try new things. You may not think it's a good idea, but God may think it is. Just be open to it. This is such an important one, my friends. Responsibilities for the congregation. The congregation must seek new relationships. Now, what do I mean by that? When I came to Cleveland County back in 1986, I'd been to Charlotte all my life. People came in and out, in and out of Charlotte all the time. You would be preaching at a church in Charlotte in four years, and you could have the whole congregation totally turn over because people are moving out moving in. Cleveland County is not like that. People stay around here. Churches were founded by certain families. You go to Poplar Springs, I had 26 Hamrick families in the church when I went there. 26. I better get along with them folks. They were half a congregation, Hamricks, you know. And most churches around here are like that. They're founded by families. And thank God for them. If they hadn't done it, we wouldn't have churches. You know, I'm not against that. But someone comes in this community and they're not a Hamrick and they're not a green and they're not a whatever they got to bust into the family and you got to let them do it you got to let them do it this county is there's more and more new people coming into this county they weren't born they need a place not just a place come sit give your money and keep quiet we'll make the decisions around here no they need someone to come in that's not a part of this county, has not been, and they prove themselves as being affected. They need to be given responsibility in the church. The church needs to be open to them. You must be willing. The church must be willing to, to seek new relationships. Number three, the laity must be motivated for ministry. How are people brought into the church, folks? This hurt my feelings, Keith. This hurt my feelings. Because I thought, well, you know, people come to the church because they get this preacher, the preacher boy. We're come, going to this church because of the preacher. Well, Barney did some research. He says, how do people come to church? What percentage would you think advertisement? I saw a sign on the road, you know, so-and-so church go this way. I saw something even on TV. Uh, I saw uh, something uh, maybe in the newspaper, an advertisement. I saw this advertisement. I said, I'm going to go to that church. Don't know anybody. Saw an advertisement. I'm going to check it out. 2%. How about uh, pastor? Well, I've heard they got a dynamic preacher. Don't know him. Don't know anybody in that church. Nobody's invited, but I'm, you know, I'm just here. They've got a new preacher over there. 6%, Keith. How about, now this is, this is interesting. How about evangelistic outreach? Well, I'm for that. That's great. That's great. You got to get out. But what I'm talking about is knocking on the door someone you don't know from anything and say, come to our church. Here's a brochure. And you don't know them. You don't know what's on the side of that door. You know, you just knock on there. Come to our church. 
Now, I'm not against that, folks. Don't get me wrong. I'm not against that. But this is a different day. People are more suspicious. Someone strange knocks on your door. You may not even open it. You know? It's just different. And I'm not against that. But I'm saying people that would just go out there, you know, go on this block and just knock on the door, come to our church, 6%. We've about got a big gap here. How about this? Listen to me. Friends and relatives, you have a friend that you know, they trust you, you know them at work, you know them in the neighborhood, you have a friend. This is a relative, someone in your family that certainly you know. Friends and relatives, 86%. Now what does that say, folks? It's you. It's you. It's not him. It's you. You have to do it. You have to do it. That's a great challenge. It's your church. It's your church. Oh, he can lead, and he needs to lead, and he will lead. But you have to do it. Responsibilities for the church, the emphasis must be on outreach. You've got it. You, it it's a tough nut to crack, I know. But it has to be something along that line. I know some churches have said, listen, we've got so many problems in the church, we can't get out there and invite new folks until we get all our problems worked out. Let me tell you something. That's how you get straight. You get straight by getting your heart right, getting a burden for people, inviting them to come anyway. They'll come in and you'll get better. Believe me. <laughs> That's how it happens. Prayer must permeate the ministry for the congregation. Strong Bible teaching in the Sunday school, that is a responsibility. A positive attitude toward what can be accomplished. Be positive. Be positive. It takes a skilled carpenter to build a building, but any donkey can tear it down. Now, you can substitute another word for donkey if you want to. If you get my drift. I've known some people that they are negative, 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 but they will not lift their hand to do anything positive. And the church needs to be positive. And a big part of that, listen to me, is support your pastor. It's not easy being a preacher. It's not. You look out there every Sunday morning and sometimes hear this and that and what's, who's on board, who isn't. You know, you need to support. Try being one for about a year. You'll change your tune. Support your pastor. Let him know you pray for him. Be available to help him. Do it. Support him. I've never known a growing church where the congregation did not support the preacher. You show me a church that is negative toward the preacher and backbiting and always criticizing this way, and I'll show you a church is dying. Now, sometimes a preacher need, makes mistakes and needs to be talked to sometimes, but that's serious stuff there, you know. That's another thing. There's a song. Nothing's impossible if you put your trust in God. That's true in a lot of things, isn't it? Problem at work, put your trust in God. Problem at home, put your trust in God. Someone suffering in some, some sickness, put your trust in God. A marriage that is troubled, put your trust in God. Even more true in the church. Put your trust in him. 
take some of these things. Bring them into who you are. If you do these things, my friends, I guarantee you, your church will grow. And if you don't, I guarantee you, it won't. Let's bow together. Father, we're thankful for this day. We're grateful for this church. This church, in the months that I was here, was always good to me. And I thank the Lord every day that I was led to Bowling Springs for the short time we had together. I know that Carol feels the same way. I pray, Lord, for Keith. I know he has a heart for you. I know he loves you. I know he's been called. And, Lord, all he needs is a lot of help. That's what any preacher needs is just help. It needs to be a team activity, not a one-man show. So, Lord, I pray that these folks will get a vision, that Keith will lead them in areas to catch the vision of really reaching their community, and they will do it together. They will do it together, not just the preacher, but a group of people. Lord, I pray that you will fire up these people in this church within their hearts to not be satisfied with the status quo, but to do what they need to do to move this church forward in a positive, positive way. Bless this church. This church will always be on my heart. It will always be on Carol's heart. But we know, Lord, that all things are possible with you, as your word says. All things are possible. Bless us as we extend the invitation, as Keith stands down front. These things we ask in thy name. Amen. Our hymn of commitment this morning is number 305. I have decided to follow Jesus. Let's stand as we sing. Remain standing. Uh, Jim, I wish you'd have challenged our people today. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Let me just take a quick, quick time while you're standing up. Next Sunday, as Jim has talked about the future a lot this morning, next Sunday, I personally invite you and urge you, please, to consider being with us. We'll have a lunch after church, and then we'll take about a 45-minute time 
and talk about the things that matter to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. I frame that using two words called core values. And I would love and invite you, plead with you, to be a part of those conversations next Sunday after church. We'll try to get you out of here at close to 12 so we can have lunch and, and be a part of that next week. But I encourage you to be here and help us as we seek to plan for the future and look towards God's vision for our church, for Boiling Springs Baptist Church. But Jim, thank you for being with us today. And uh, men, choir, all of our guests, thank you. And I'm going to ask Tommy to come and close us with our benediction. Let's pray. Dear God, we, we ask your blessing upon this service. We ask your blessing upon the message and the challenge that has been delivered. Father, we love you and we thank you for loving us. And as we depart, please go with us, continue to guide us and direct us and to forgive us when we fail you. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.